for sort of to be a good political activist, which I have been over the years, you have to be an optimistic pessimist. The president has botched the COVID response. Bot Even for me, I'm finding it hard not to get burned out now. after 30 years of fighting bad people. Good stock markets. We have record everything. You almost feel after a while like it's never going to end. And is it even worth it? Because it's never going to end. What does a Biden-Harris administration do to... And you don't want to get that way, obviously. It's not a good way to live, let alone a good way to fight. Hello, everyone. You're listening to Citizen Reporter, another episode. I'm Mark Fonseca Rendeiro. I'm the host, the producer, the editor, the voice, the promoter. I, I do it all. It's a one-stop shop for this program. And of course, uh, today there's going to be another great conversation with a dear friend, but I wanted to say something real quick. Uh, we've got the elections in the United States coming up. And believe it or not, I am not, I, I don't think I am very passionate about U.S. politics. I just am not. Uh, that's it. I'll stop at that. My guest, John, is passionate about U.S. politics. It matters a lot to him. And I respect him. I respect his work. And for that reason, I'm really glad to have him on the program. And perhaps that even makes it for an interesting conversation. We have our different focuses, but we are, through it all, friends, and I think we're both excited to get to talk to each other, and yes, record it and share it. So here we go, my conversation with John Aravosis in Washington, D.C. Hello, everyone. Here we are back on the podcast and in keeping with the theme from the past few months, really, with the onset of the global pandemic and a lot of us home. Many of us, I think, uh, are still home. Uh, I'm always home, so that hasn't changed too much. But reaching out uh, to talk to friends um, from over the years that perhaps I haven't spoken to in a while, people doing work that they believe in, that they <laughs> work very hard on. And I really want to talk about what people are busy with, uh, what friends are busy with, and catch up. So I use this podcast as a vehicle. And today, on the line right now, from Washington, D.C., it's John Aravosis. Hi, John. Hey, Mark. I didn't do all your credentials because there's believe in my yeah, you know, I hate the credentials. <laughs> well, there's America blog, there's unprecedented podcast. Uh, so those are yep. the probably the two that you're busiest with, and the two are connected and busiest I, with, yeah. Yeah. And I do want to talk yeah. about them today, but uh how I mean if I ask you how have you been these few past few months, that's that's such a broad question. <laughs> Here, let, let me my my newest toy will answer for me. Oh, can you hear? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's the screaming goat. I, Nia Vardalos, who's a Greek, act, a Greek American actress, who did uh, my Big Fat Greek Wedding. Of course, yeah. If, if you, if you ever saw, Big but fan. she, for some crazy reason, reached out to me. On, we follow each other on Twitter, which was kind of cool. And I don't know her, but reached out to me privately and was like, "Tell me what's going on. Are we going to win?" And I don't want to say the details, obviously, because that wouldn't be nice. But on her Twitter account, she had, she was like, "This is 2020." <laughs> <laughs> and she had this, and it's this little, like two and a half inch tall screaming billy goat. Aww. And I love it. It's like 10 bucks. Doesn't cost anything. And it just makes you feel better. Uh, <laughs> the dog was, was not thrilled, but it makes me feel better. Sasha was, I've got a great video of Sasha very upset with the billy goat. <laughs> so in August yeah, okay. of 2020 or now September, I guess you've arrived at the point where you need, a, you need something that screams with you. 
You need something that screams. Well, we've already got something that screams with us, which is half the country. But mm. you know, yes, it's you need something to let out the the angst. Oh yeah. God, it's yeah. so bad. It's so bad over here. <laughs> for, for people listening, many years in the future, uh, at this point in history, it's month number six or five of the global pandemic. Also depends on where you are in the world. And we've, uh, in terms of COVID nineteen, uh, we've experienced uh, these. I don't want to say peaks because we don't actually know, but we certainly had the big wave of uh, COVID infections. Uh, you're in the United States. I'm in Europe. Uh, we've seen different regions. I'm going to say flare up. That seems even to be a little bit too uh, small to put it because we see big numbers happen to different places at different times. And now, again, we see a spike in different places. Um, uh, it was a little different here, though. I mean, just to just to be to put a finer point on it. Yeah, you guys had a big spike there. Mm-hmm. We spiked when you spiked, and never really went down. And then it went crazy in the last couple months. So our spike, if you want to call it, of the last few months, I want to say it was on order of uh, of you know two times. To- well, the de- I mean, the deaths were at least two times as high, but the infections were <laughs> even worse. So that our what you got in maybe April. We, we've been living through the last couple months. It just never went down. So we people keep saying, you know, oh, a second spike. We never ended our first spike. And now maybe it's going down a little, but the irony is the going down is still double where we were in March and April when we shut everything down. Hmm. I, Talk I, about screwed up. I started yeah. this series, I guess, in March when the first sort of stay-at-home huh. orders came around here. And the first interview I did was right. an old friend of mine from the video blogging community who lives, who, who hmm. he and his partner left the city life in New York. Oh, was it Madge? San Francisco. No, uh, I don't think you know Jay and Ryan, but they, they were no. early pioneers in video blogging and they quit the big uh, city life and they live in rural Virginia all the way out west uh, in Shenandoah, near Shenandoah National Park, I think it's called. And it's Page County, very beautiful. I went there uh, to see it all. And uh, we were just talking is about, it, you know, it safe? experiencing it. Uh, which kind of safe? Uh, scary redneck safe? Um, it, it, it's Politically safe. Yes, it, yes. It's. I, I believe it's politically safe. I mean, we've had these discussions to a certain degree. For exa- sorry, Virginia, for example, is the state that took away a lesbian mother's baby because she was a lesbian. This was a famous case, maybe the 1980s or so. Um, Very backward state. (laughs) Um, But it's getting better. It's actually turning uh, very democratic now, which is fascinating, especially in the north uh, northeast part by DC or northwest by DC, yeah. but um, it's, 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 but history of that. It's yeah. also one of those places where I think over the years a lot of people have left, so they kind of represent a very interesting demographic. The idea of you know urban uh, uh, people, citizens of the world that decide I'm going to go. Sa- I want a lot of space, and I'm going to go buy where things are cheap. And that's actually why one of the big reasons they went. I think it's because their dollar goes so far there, and it would never have oh, in yeah. cities. Yeah. I brought that up because it's interesting. Mm. I just realized now you and I are talking. You're in D.C., mm. so you're on the opposite side of Virginia in many uh, aspects. And at yeah. that time, except uh, north, I mean, but northern Virginia, right across from D.C., D.C. is or was a diamond shape, and they cut out the lower southwest side of the diamond and gave it to Virginia a long time ago. So northern Virginia is actually southwest D.C. in a funny way. If you look at the map, you'll see it's like literally somebody took a bite out of the diamond. That part has been super democratic and actually is getting so democratic that it's, you know, we've won a lot of elections in in Virginia as a result. Mm -hmm. So 
it yeah. So I just wanted to clarify that again. Yeah. It, it, it's it, we were opposite sides of the coin. Now it's more like D.C. and Northern Virginia are the opposite side of the rest of Virginia. <laughs> yeah, but I was also thinking yeah. in terms of experiencing the pandemic. I mean, especially D.C. as a city. Uh, I always thought about it as when New York, New Jersey were struggling. We're talking April, May, June. Uh, how how was D.C.? It went really well here, and I don't quite know why. We were definitely behind D.C., Maryland, Virginia are all – D.C. is not a state for any of you listening. We're we're almost like Buenos Aires – actually, like Buenos Aires. We're a federal district. Um, But we are are bordered by the states of Maryland and Virginia, so they're very tied together, at least in that couple hundred-mile radius. And – all of our uh, our statistics were really good, and it was oh, weird because okay. it was we still shut down like everybody. We were panicked, yeah. but um, you know the numbers kept getting worse. They kept saying they thought we were going to peak in July when the rest of the country was peaking in like May or well, we thought the rest of the country was peaking in May. Um, so we thought it was going to be like New York, and it wasn't like New York at all. I mean, it it's I know two people in D.C. who got sick or who were infected at all. I don't know anybody else, and they've. You know, one had sort of the linger, both had the lingering um, fatigue problem that happens. You know, the the disease wasn't nearly as bad for them as the one. The fatigue was a month. The other, the fatigue was a good two months. I mean, she was telling me like I interviewed her on our podcast that literally she was, you know, after six weeks, she's going to do her laundry. But in America, that means you walk down the hall to your machine (laughs) to do your laundry. (laughs) And she said just doing one load of laundry exhausted her and she'd have to go to sleep. Yeah. And this is after six weeks after you got better, quote unquote, mm-hmm. right? Just horrible. But, um, but knock on wood, I mean, they, you know, they, they didn't have anything worse. Yep. Um, but no, New York got it horrible. Again, we don't even quite know why. I mean, we don't know to what degree it's because people started to figure out better how to treat it just in the sense of, remember, they were talking about laying you on your stomach to help you breathe more easily and that that was a godsend apparently, huh. which – they just didn't realize. Google it was very interesting, but basically, laying on your back versus laying on your stomach. When you're on your stomach for some reason, your lungs open up. Whereas you might think you're on your stomach, your back and your organs are pushing on your lungs. They're not. So they found that by taking sick people that were having uh, you know actual lung infections with the virus, having them sleep on their stomachs made a huge difference for their breathing not getting worse. So things like that, I think, cut back. But also, we just didn't have as much of a you know plague outbreak here in DC that you are again seeing in some of the other a lot of the republican states now are having problems you know it's getting better but you're still seeing out uh, serious outbreaks um the other interesting thing is you know we've had these black lives matters or black lives matter protests mm-hmm. around the country and yeah. what's interesting is People have been very good about wearing masks. I went to the one in D.C. I was a little nervous because, you know, this was – I'm trying to even think when this was, a good two months ago when we were really worried. And everybody was wearing a mask, pretty much everybody. Um, We didn't see our cases spike. And, I mean, we must have had (laughs) – like the one day that everybody came must have been – it could have been 50, 100,000 people. I mean, coming to town. And this is only a town of 700,000 people. So that's a lot of people extra – the virus is the virus rate didn't spike here. So I I wonder whether a lot of it really is following the social distancing rules, following the mask rules that you don't see, you know, conservative states do, but the liberal states, American liberal, meaning left uh, do. And we didn't see the virus spike. Yeah. So I I mean, mean, it's kind of weird. Outdoors has also been an interesting 
factor in in the spread of the disease like doing things outdoors versus doing things indoors uh so i think that helps but yeah indeed you know so it certainly helps yes. Yeah. yes i've always been fascinating with wearing masks which has become such a big it's almost old at this point as a matter of debate in the united states um but it's funny that yeah. i always think like i see so many people wearing masks badly <laughs> so I'm, I know. I'm on this other wave like Get your nose in that mask. I know. <laughs> I still see like good people doing that. And I'm just kind of like, I have friends who do it. I just, I'm tired of telling them. Cause like I yeah. tell people, I know, I know. I'm like, all right, but you're, you know, yeah. <laughs> we're still going through the lunacy. Sure. In this country of this mask debate. And it's like, I, it's not a, and England's seeing it. You're seeing it in Europe. Oh, yeah. I mean, in France, they had the loonies out the other day. Sure. No, yeah. And Frank, Berlin had a big Trump one yesterday. This, yeah. Trump did the whole thing. I th- really think Trump, I wonder uh, if Trump <laughs> hadn't embraced the anti-mask thing, whether it would be so popular abroad. Uh, I know for the, I mean, it's a very small example, but I know for the Netherlands that there's a certain spirit that exists, it sounds like a ghost, within the culture, which is all about, uh, don't, don't, just just relax it, it you see it in the medical system if anyone's ever lived in the netherlands um if you go to a doctor and you think like something hurts or something this has been bothering me right. the typical first reaction from a doctor and it's no exaggeration i i, I mean i wonder right. if it's starting to change but it's they'll just say go home rest drink fluids and maybe take the equivalent of a, a, a tylenol you know, for everything, they'll recommend this. You're kidding. Paracetamol. That's that's the one. They recommend it for right. everything. Because the first reaction from the medical profession seems to be that people overreact and that the human body is capable of a lot. And I, I mean, no yeah. one says this, right? But it's the way, it's the interpretation I have from all this, just go home. Um, now, that's in the, the, the doctor's mm. office. The, right. I find that in, in regular life, what it translates to is don't freak out. Uh, just, right. you know, be right. Ra- there is a great value on being rational. So, so, right. you know, that's something. Um, but the result is that you'll see a lot of people that are like, yeah, I know. Okay. A mask in some situation, like public transport, nobody seems to argue here. Like we need, uh, masks, but yet huh. on the street, uh, or in, in a outdoor public place, you won't right. see many or you'll see people kind of, huh. it's around their arm. That's a big thing when you don't need it right now. You sort well, of, I do that here. Arm. I mean, if I'm yeah. walking by my dog and then if somebody starts coming near me, I put it on. Because, right. Yeah. Well, that part's that's, missing here because someone starts coming near oh. you and they're like, well, I didn't have it on anyway. <laughs> they're just wearing it as a jewelry. Yes. <laughs> Um, so it's, and then we've had the influx of tourism over the last two, probably two months, like July tourism really came back. Really? Yes. Oh yeah. Cause wow. all the, I mean, some of the low cost airlines are still going, not all, um, easy jet is now yeah. stopped, wow. but that was also because of the UK. So it's, I know that Trump has, uh, especially in politics, he sets the trend. <laughs> what we are seeing is there's a, a large portion of Americans, not the majority, but a large portion, whether it's 40% or whatever, well, maybe 35% that are just, hey, you know, point me in the direction of the fascist and I'll listen, you know? <laughs> then you've got the next 10%, so up to 45%, from 35 to 45, who go, well, you know, you know, I mean, they, they mm-hmm. want to vote for the right. Mm-hmm. They don't like Trump, but they really want to vote for the right, so they don't want to vote for the left, so they're going to find reasons not to like Biden, mm-hmm. you know, not to like Kamala Harris, his VP choice, you know, and I, I'm not even sure what they're about, because the people on the far left or far right, 35%, they're just, they're nuts. I mean, they're not nuts, but they're basically <laughs> people who I think have a little bit of a yearning for fascism, and and it doesn't necessarily mean Mussolini per se, but it's 
they they want a strong man. They don't really care about the rule of law as long as their guy is in charge, and it's got to be a guy, is in charge of the rule of law. You know, so as long as their guy is going after criminals or breaking the law, it's okay. Um, but it's the people in the middle, I think, that confuse me more because I don't get, I don't get why people, why Trump, you know, doesn't have sixty-five percent of the population against him. Why it's still. His approvals have always been around 41, 42 percent or so, right. always. I don't know. You know, it's it, one of the, the ruling uh, thought processes in anyone's mind, no matter what act they're committing, not in 100 percent. But I think so many people think they're doing the right thing. Like I'll sometimes get stuck on a Trump clip. I got stuck on one this morning. He was in front of a fire truck. I don't know where he was. I didn't bother to look it up. And he's just signing autographs. Right. And he keeps, oh, I saw it. He yep. keeps saying, you know, this will be worth a lot of money. And. I don't like to go with the initial reaction, which probably lies in my heart, which is I, I, I despise this man. Um, I try to understand why and what is going on right now that people find charming, including if I was there. Yeah. And the way he talks to people does remind me of people I knew as a kid. Now, I grew up in New Jersey, so that there's some cultural yeah. connection there, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's kind of that that. And and George W. Bush had a way to do this as well, where he could be the yes. everyman for a moment. Yeah. There's an aw shucks to him, yeah. Yeah, and his jokes, when you're right in front of him, at least those people, they're funny. But if I put a camera yeah. on him, they're not funny, or they're just odd, yeah. uh, a lot of that. So, like, I try to understand the fact that a lot of people that either are have contact with him in those cases, yeah. or just at home, they they want to believe, first of all, that they're good people. You always believe you're a good person, even yep. probably when you're doing some terrible shit, because you feel yeah. like you're defending, you're you're doing terrible shit. I'm saying you wouldn't be doing cause. it if you thought it was terrible, yeah. probably. But and yeah. I think Trump thinks he's a really good guy, right? I mean, that's that, as far as I. He thinks he's a great guy. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm quite serious. I mean, that's part of the problem is he yeah. thinks he's the best yes. guy in the world. So yeah. Everyone should listen to him, and yeah, he could break the law for what he wants. Anyway, go yeah. on. And yeah. I think the other thing is this desire to defend sometimes when it's too late or you've almost gone too far, but still you want to defend whatever platform or whatever thing that you believed in. It's very hard to say I was, I was wrong, I was wrong. or I've changed. Yep. And I, so I think for a lot of people, it's also just the defensive, um, you know, the internet has that power, right? If, if you're a big fan of, uh, an artist, any artist, an actor, you know, Woody Allen, uh, for example, and uh, dun, dun, dun. Yep. This is, I'm, I'm walking on a minefield, yep. but I'll do it. Um, not to me, but I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah, sure. Because there are reasons why you can have a problem for sure with yep. liking Woody Allen's work <laughs> or what Woody Allen is a person, right? right. Yep. But there may be people that have liked Woody Allen from the past who are now, there's nothing that's going to come up. I mean, I guess almost nothing uh, that's going to make them go, you know what? I don't like him anymore. They're going to say, this is my guy, or this is my art that I believe in. In this case, it's art. So I think there's a, a big desire to defend that which you once yeah. supported and you got to you got to keep going. And I think it becomes so personal. Like I've got, I was staring at a photo in the Washington Post this morning. Someone gave me a, a, a subscription now as a gift. So I, oh, I read oh, it more. Oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, but sometimes I hate how American press, especially the Washington Post, 
always leads with Trump. You know, I'm, I have to go into a different yeah. section to go read other domestic news. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so, and I see this photo, I think it's from Portland, right? And there's the images, uh, a guy is being choked by a protester. The guy who's being choked has a mask. The guy who doesn't has a sort of American flag and I think some Trump shirt. And it was an article about the divisions, right? The divisions that are going on. Oh, and I, I find myself staring yeah. at these photos thinking like, God, what were the, sometimes we have videos, but what were the, what were the thought processes on each person in this moment? Like one guy's getting choked. So he's probably really like, oh my, how do I get out of this? And the other guy's doing the choking and he probably is going through a sort of, yeah. And yet at the same time, so nervous that you're doing this, but you're doing it, you're in, you know, it's, it's, I just think there's so much emotional fighting right now that I don't even know if anyone knows why they're doing it, especially if you're on the side of, say, the, the president at this point. Um, but even sometimes with in, in the middle of some protests, you know, you get I, I watch a lot of videos from Portland. There are moments where I don't quite know if the protesters themselves are fully and I've been in protests, so I know how you can get excited yeah. and it becomes about surviving the moment. Um, I felt that way in Afghanistan, too, as a, as a journalist and a teacher. There were moments where there was no right, there was no wrong. It was simply, we, we need to take a, a stand or we need to stay safe. Either one could really motivate you in in very basic ways. Um, yeah. I don't know. I made a jump there, I realize. But. No, I mean, I, I yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree. I just am not sure whether it's a lesson that teaches us anything. I, what no. I mean is for this time, no, what no. I mean is because- I don't think you're wrong about the heat of the moment kind of situation, but I kind of want to step back and go, okay, yeah, once you're in that moment, you kind of just hate each other and it's feeding itself. But, but how did we get there? And we didn't get there because, and I even like some of, to be honest, some of your language was just kind of funny because you're to the left of me, but you know, the nation is not divided. You know, Jews were not divided with Germans in, in oh, okay. 1930s okay. Germany, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's, and this is, that is what you see our media keep doing. Our sure. media loves, and I am, I, I actually was quoting am a headline. <laughs> Well, you were, but I mean, I'm very supportive yeah. of American media. Here on the left, it's almost a cliche to, oh, we hate the media. They're so bad. I mean, and mind you, the right says it too. So I think over the years, the right has always attacked the media in this country because the media are the gatekeepers. The medias are the you know, purveyors of truth, the judges of truth to, to a degree. They're the ones who sh- basically should keep you honest. And generally speaking, we, at least for the last you know, 40 years, 50 years maybe, we are, our, our strongest media wasn't really partisan. You know, so you didn't have, like, I remember in France and especially Italy, yes, people yeah. telling me like, oh, well, that newspaper is tied to the liberal union or the conservative, you know, sure. union. And I'm like, the union, the yeah. union has a newspaper? Yeah. <laughs> like, Liberation, the ultimate like sort of left right? paper. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, no. Having said that, we've, we've always had left and right publications here. Like the nation is very left, but they're not a, they're not a national publication like the New York times or the Washington post or CNN. I say publication, but meaning broadcast, right? It's, and, and what the right has done is try to portray them as being just like the, the subjective media in Europe. Oh, CNN. They're just like Liberation in France. And you're like, well, no, not really. Right. I understood. <laughs> if, anything, well, if anything, they try too hard to be in the middle and they drive us crazy because they say things like, well, America's very divided. And we're like, no, America isn't very divided. We have one political party that's gone crazy and they're now dismantling our democracy and attacking our citizens. And we've got the other political party. And again, I, you know, 
we don't like to make Nazi comparisons, but everybody I know is making Nazi comparisons yeah. now I mean, in a really bad way. And, you know, yeah, Germany was divided too. So mm-hmm. is that really what you want to say? I mean, you know, Chile was divided. <laughs> you know, Chile. I mean, was 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 Argentina divided in the 1980s? Well, no. You had the military killing people, and then you had people fighting back, getting killed. Oh, they were so divided. I mean, it's yeah. It's. I mean, I people mean still had to follow orders, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's well, it's a matter of I think there is a lack of understanding about the very situation we are in, and yeah. frankly, that we are seeing worldwide with this with this. I don't even know if it's a resurgence or a surgence of of these right-wing governments, you know, mm-hmm. Hungary and yeah. Brazil and yeah. America, number one. And I, I don't, I just, I worry that you've got the far right that's, all right, the right in general that's gone nuts. The far left drives me insane. I mean, these Portland protests, I don't know what the frick they're doing in Portland at this point. These guys, what are they doing? You know, they're wearing their little combat outfit. They're as bad as the the right person. <laughs> hey, no, but I mean, as far as it's, I'm a, not it's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a freaking joke what they're doing in Portland. This is not. I went to the Black Lives Matter protest in D.C. It was wonderful. You know, it was first of all a lot of black people, a lot of white people, but more black people, which was also nice to see. It wasn't just like a bunch of white people. You kind of keep going, where are the black people, <laughs> right? I mean, in D.C., it was literally a black protest that we white people joined in to show support. It was great. Yeah. Um. These idiots, every time you get to midnight in D.C., then you've got the crazy people. Okay. Right, <laughs> on the right and the left. And then the cops getting violent. But again, the people, uh, my neighborhood, they started lighting newspaper stands on fire last night. I was like, guys, stop cool. it. Yeah, but I you mean, the, the, but during the day, they're great. But what we say <laughs> is, that, you know, that's expression. That's where things have gone. People are angry and the expression comes out that way. Uh, I find you can, you can say that about a lot of things. I don't know if it's always... Uh, Ac- you know, accurate, but uh, yeah, I understand what you're saying. That's what I, kind of what I mean by I, I watch videos of Portland and I'm trying to understand into, why people are so passionate. He should see, it, de- it descends into he shit. I'm talking like Donald Trump. He shit, he shit. As I said, I'm the guy who defends the media. And honestly, that's what's been bothering me the most is they still are trying to fall back to the way it used to be where, yeah, we didn't like the Republicans, but they weren't crazy. And they're still trying to play this. We're not descending into fascism game. You know, it's, well, oof. I mean, look, it, 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 that <laughs> fascism has many flavors, uh, not just one. That's, there's a quote. It does. I mean, and it the could, Mark Fonseca quote well, <laughs> fascism has many flavors. Many flavors. Today we're going to make the one dipped in butter. Um, I was going to say tools for, or recipes from old Portugal and Spain. <laughs> and and we watch different versions, right? Like whatever's happening in Hungary is not the same as what happened in Germany uh, in in the 1930s, really. But um, but there is something definitely happening, and it's getting louder, and it's there's actions being taken that that certainly persecute groups of people, and that is a lot. And you can point to it and say that's a form of fascism. And I would go, yes, yes, I, I, I see it. Uh, um, but, but let's go back to the media, though. I mean, what you remind me of, and it's something that scared me, I think even to the point that I didn't really want to stay in the U.S., although now at an older age, I knew there was no escaping it. So it, it, does, it didn't really matter. Um, that is the idea that I find the media are chasing... There's always this element. There's the the report because we were seeking the truth. We are seeking facts, information. But there's also the element that you got to sell. Um, and and I, I've I've hated that since I was conscious of what the media was. And certainly as a journalism student, I find personally there's 
not a good connection between profits and reporting or profits and journalism. But there it is, right? Uh, whether you're CNN, the New York Times, you you are trying to sell, so to, to use old terms, papers. Um, now, I understand that there's a sub- subscription side to it, which I find very still very interesting. And you, with uh, even with uh, the Unprecedented po- Podcast, you have subscribers. Well, my blog, America Your blog, blog right, supporters. You need viewers to make money from advertising. Yeah. And so yeah. when I when I say earlier that, you know, I find the Washington Post always leads with Trump, I mean, that might be in my settings. I need to check. But I think that's also part of the it gets attention. I mean, my parents are obsessed with hating Trump. And I say obsessed because they spend much of the day on it. And I, the most common thing I say to my my wonderful mother is, don't watch the news. Because I know for the, the news for them is usually TV. It's usually CNN. And I, look, I don't know how to run a network in this current climate, really. They, I guess, do because they're surviving, maybe even thriving. But they have definitely gone with Trump as a topic and and all aspects of him some that I I find personally are needed and some that I find are not needed they're just stoking people's emotional slash attention connection right so this is part of my problem with what's happening in the media it wouldn't really matter who was president but it certainly works that this president can either galvanize people who somehow love him and will do anything and then the other side is that hate him so much um and that it's unfortunate. That's all I'm really saying. That that you got to yeah. sell. You got to get attention. Yes, it's. I mean, <clears throat> first of all, that is the way it works, right? It's 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 unfortunate, yes. but it's also life. I mean, think of the jobs you would rather do versus the jobs you do. Right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> you got to make money. I mean, I I, I've been consulting for years as well, and back at the beginning, right, doing internet consulting back in the late 1990s, and everybody wanted me to build them a really boring website. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to build a boring website. I mean, literally, like, yeah. you know, we're an organization. We want an about us section, a who our staff is, what our goals are, and how to contact us. And I'm going, oh, my God, I'm so bored, right? Yes. But it was money. I wanted yeah. people to hire me to beat up the Republicans, you know, online and mm. some did, mm-hmm. but more people just wanted something boring. And, you know, yeah. you try to get away from it, but at some point you've got to pay the bills, right? Sure. Now media, it's a fascinating discussion. I mean, that's a really interesting media ethics discussion that you know you could discuss for an hour, which is what do you do when you're a publication or a, a a TV show, either way, I'll also say publication because you're publishing on the airwaves or publishing on paper and you've got to get viewers or readers or you die. So you could write all you want about, I know I must've told you this before on my blog, I, you know, the blog I keep around now, but it was very big <clears throat> in the two thousands. Yeah. So like 2005 to maybe 2009, I was at one of the top uh, left-wing blogs in the States, political blogs. And what I found, though, every time I would write about women's issues, the readership would go down because, you know, you would you would you would check each story in Google Analytics to see how it did. Right. I'm very you know, we, we cared women's stories about women. Nobody cared. And it really used to piss me off because I'd be like ticked off about something and I'd write about it. Oh, it's about women. Nobody cares. And so I was like, OK, that's nice. Then and I was I had spoken with. Uh, of a friend who was running a very large news type website on the left. We'll leave it at that. And he told me, he didn't say they cut back, but he said, we found by, and they, you know, these are the big websites that do all the data. And I mean, I, it was me running my website. In this case, they've got, you know, they're making millions of dollars and, you know, what they've got pe- staff to analyze all of this. They found, for example, that 
whenever they wrote about transgender issues or immigration issues, people's interest dropped off. Mm. And this is a couple of years ago too, when immigration was really hot and trans issues were, were just becoming hot. And imagine you're trying to run a liberal publication. Again, I'm going to keep using liberal in the American sense, right? So yep. a good left wing progressive publication, but you know, when you write about women, when you write about transgender and when you write about immigration, people leave. And now you're going, okay, well, obviously we can't not write about those issues, but if you know, you write about those issues and nobody comes, you're going to think twice about, you know, devoting the issues to immigration all week or women all week. It's, it's really bad. It is. I mean, it's really bad. Yeah. And if you write about something that occasionally pisses people off and you get a crazy number of, of people coming and checking out your article, you might write about it again. Yes. Now maybe it's not corrupt in the sense of I'm not going to write something I don't believe, but would you rehash an old topic and go back again? Because every time you write about the, about Trump being crazy and have a video, everybody comes. Sure, of course you're going to write about Trump being crazy again. And I mean, it's again, people, I, I throw it back to you, but you got to keep your, your business alive. Do, do, does media need to be funded by the public? I mean, how do you, how do you get around it? Uh, well, th there was, I mean, in the, in America, there, you know, there was that idea. There is that idea, I guess, all over the, well, in many countries of the world, the idea that there needs to be at least some media. Germany has that, I know. Sure. Know. Government yeah. always feels the responsibility because they're, to some extent, afraid of what happens if you leave it up just to the market, right? So governments get involved and have public media. Um, but that's rarely the most popular media, maybe for the very reasons we just outlined, right? Um, so... It, it, oh, that's, mean, you're right. Actually, right. Let's have a boring discussion today about blah blah. It's needed, but it's, it's yeah, in, but it's important and it's yeah. needed. So yeah. we're going to discuss something that you don't care about. But I'm going to now, mind you, if it's like National Public Radio in the states, they they've got a diehard following because they know you're going to discuss topics that might be boring, but we're going to tell you why they're interesting. And for a certain intellectual crowd, that's really interesting. But for the public at large, you're going to tell me why eating spinach is good for me, really? You know what I mean? Like, it's spinach. You know, you know, yeah, exactly. But it's, 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 yeah. If nobody does it, then nobody, you know, if nobody funds it, I mean, then it won't happen. Through, it won't happen through commercials. It's I mean, funded through. It's funded via the public's interest, yeah. not not the public yeah. interest, but the interests of the public. Yeah. So what do you get? You get yeah. the most common denominator, the lowest That's common right. denominator. What do people want to hear? They want to hear about sex, and they want to hear about. Violence, I guess, and I would put violence in the category of Trump being crazy, is its own kind of political violence in a mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I remember you being as being very creative, uh, even helping me or at least giving me a platform sometimes on America Blog. Okay. Oh, on the blog, yeah, of course. And and yeah. but the way you did it was, I remember it this way that it was the sort of philosophy like you had your your major topics that people were coming to read, usually related to specific uh, elections and and. Uh, party versus party stuff. Um, but you would also make space for a story from another country or a story oh, about a yeah. topic that isn't about the political parties. Um, but I, I always know that you were careful with that because you knew the time of day or, you know, that, that yeah. it had to be yeah. bookended by stuff that would get people, then maybe they'd see this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in a way, I guess that's what editors have been doing for quite a while now, whether it's a newspaper yeah. or a television show or whatever. Well, actually, here's what's really funny. What you're describing is television placement of shows when they put a new show right after a really popular show. Yeah. So they hope that people are watching the popular show and then they see the new show and go, well, I'm already here. I might as well look at it, right? Um, 
you're talking about grocery stores yes. where they get you to come to the back of the store where the milk is on sale and now you're there. So maybe you'll buy the expensive stuff. Yeah. You're talking about bookstores, yeah. right? Or yeah. again, you, you, the placement of the book attracts people. And again, maybe you get them in the store and they buy other stuff. I mean, ironically, it's, I don't want to say capitalism, but it's merchandising, I guess. And what, instead of selling books and food, we're selling ideas. Actually, let me tell you this. This is a funny story. Way back in the 90s, uh, people just started doing – I started doing a gay political email list, and people just started doing p- email lists in general. They weren't really – they just began mid-90s to late 90s. People started doing email lists for politics and any any topic, really. That was new back then. Now you're like oh, an email list, right? But back then, an email newsletter was a big deal. And one of the most effective email newsletters I'd ever seen was a gay politics – and again, back then it was gay – not LGBT, gay politics newsletter that would send you, and now mind you, you get it on your personal account. It would send you a lot of pornography and occasionally a political story. <laughs> yep, I get it. Yep. Um, and yep. and there was a website called Bad Bad Puppy, which I just love, Bad Puppy. <laughs> and it was run by a guy, and I should Google him because when he died, I read his obituary, and I knew the guy, Nick, Jack Nichols, I think was his name. I knew the guy because he had reached out to me and said, hey, I've got this site. It's kind of a porn site, but we've got a political page, and the political page is all politics. And we actually get a lot of readership because they're there to see the porn, and they see the little thing and go, oh, that's it. I'll see what, they're do- what asshole thing they're doing to gays in Washington, right? And he would promote so much of my gay activism because he's all to put it on the political page. And it was the same thing. I, I loved – I love the concept. I completely in understand. Of, yep. I'm going to attract you with porn, yeah. and then I'm going to slip in occasional political stuff just to educate you too. That just blew my mind. The beauty of it is, and I think maybe people on the right—well, people on the right would appreciate. It. They wouldn't admit it. They'd appreciate it, but, but you know what I mean? Like I don't know how to just even describe it. It was just beautiful. I love the bait and switchness of it, or well, bait and switch. But I'm bummed. <laughs> For you, for you Anglo speakers out there, for the rest of you, I'm not going to explain that but, joke. You know, in a way, I think that we haven't seen the last, or maybe, I mean, we've always, it's, it carries on, but that spirit and that that need because of the way the internet works, because of the competitiveness, we certainly right. have not seen the last of that concept. Uh, you know, appealing no, to yeah. whatever it is, be it, you know, this most fundamental part of yourself, your, your, what you're attracted yeah. to in private anger, or in public. Right. Anger, yeah. sex, yeah. food, gossip, yeah. Yeah, food, right? Yeah. Um, no, but think about the gossip in the, in the papers and stuff too, right? They get you with all the, you know, the English paper, the yeah. page three or whatever it is of the girl's boobs or whatever yeah. it is. Oh, right. Right. The, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, it's, yep. it's, and having said that to some degree, to some degree, it's not just, you know, tricking people into reading you. One of the things you've got to worry about in political activism is just turning off your audience that they just get so depressed after a while. Yeah. You know, like you said about your parents, you can only watch the bad news all day for so long before it just burns you out. Yeah. So you've got to intersperse some fun. And I tried it. I tried to do it with the blog. I did mm-hmm. when the blog was big. Yeah. You know, I would I would Pets. blog about orchids every Friday. Oh, yeah. We do right, cap blogging across the internet overall. Yeah. And I still try it on Twitter. I still put recipes up. I put my dog. I try to just find fun videos to intersperse with the daily rage because you don't want people to be totally burned out. Even for me, I'm finding it hard not to get burned out. Now, after 30 years of fighting bad people, you just you almost feel after a while like it's never going to end. And is it even worth it? Cause it's never going to end. And you don't want to get that way. Obviously it's not a good way to live, let alone a good way to fight.
are listening to Citizen Reporter at citizenreporter.org. You and I have known each other, I don't know, I, I'm going to go with 10 years minimum, but I think it's more. <laughs> yeah, because it was, it was, oh God, it was probably 2006, 2007, maybe. Yeah. Yep. Ish. Yeah. I'm going to go. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and, and over the years, um, thankfully we get to see each other sometimes, uh, but there's plenty of time where, when there isn't a plague. (laughs) That's right. And, um, one of the things I've, I've watched is you, uh, go from a primarily text writing world. Of course, yes, with, there was video work as well. Um, but you've certainly started a podcast. Uh, I think it was just around the time that Trump was elected, right? I mean, talk a little bit about, uh, two years ago. So it, yeah. Uh, that would be a good year year into his presidency. Oh, okay, right, right. Yeah, uh, I was wanting to. You were right. During the election of 2016, I was asking you advice, and I was starting to do like some video recordings on Facebook. I actually, okay, talking about what we talked about earlier about how you try to rope people in, right, with interesting things. The most successful thing I had done in a decade was hanging out the window of my New York City apartment. Because I was right on the water over, I was right on the water um, in Queens, which is a borough of New York City, but it's not Manhattan, it's not the cool one. And I was in Queens on the water. You did you? I forgot. Did you come out there? You saw the place, didn't you? Or did you not come out? I never. No, in that time oh that you God. were there, I did. Oh, not. you're. Oh, <laughs> I missed out. I know. Um, I, I was right on the water, looking at the Manhattan skyline, at the UN, the whole thing. It was amazing. Other than the UN, was like looking at work every day. That ended up being a mistake. Okay. But beautiful view. And the most success I had was hanging out my window, and. Uh, streaming on what is the service that finally incorporated itself with Twitter? Periscope? Periscope. There you go. I would stream the New York sunset on Periscope. Uh I had, I don't even know if I had five or 10,000 people from all over the world at one point. And I was going, this is crazy. And the thing is, it got me one, I wasn't sure what to do with it, but it got me thinking because I was like, if I can get five or 10,000 people a shot, just pointing my camera out the window at the New York skyline, could I like, I don't know, like maybe interview you in the background talking about fascism or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, what could I, yeah. how could I, right. but I, but, but, but the funny part was I never could for, and I ended up moving because the apartment was way too expensive. New York city, you know, sure. it's like London, but actually London's probably worse, but, but it was interesting because it got me thinking of that. Like, okay, a, it depresses you a little. Cause you think, okay, the most interesting things I talk about get 500 people. And when I do a vapid picture of a New York sunset, I get 5,000 people watching, <laughs> you know, but when I want to talk about the end of the world, they're like, eh. you know, but is there some way to intersperse it? Like I said, you have a climate talk while watching. Wouldn't that be funny though? Yeah. Every, sunset chats with yeah. John Irvoses. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And it would just be the live sunset of New York. I don't live there anymore, but the live sunset of New York city, Manhattan and with a different guest each night, yeah. that would have been freaking amazing. <laughs> Fireside chat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, but that's how the internet works. Right. And, and even now, uh, with Facebook being, I think more associated with adults, if not older people, 
Uh, young people don't, to my knowledge, don't don't use Facebook much. Uh, they go elsewhere, right? We know they 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 like TikTok, but they they like game streaming, uh, all kinds of sites. So yeah, it's always. I mean that that's why Instagram was important as an acquisition for uh, for Facebook at some point, because well, that's where another group of people are, and. Uh, a lot of people will consume those photos or videos, um, partially because maybe that's just looking at something pretty. Uh, there's nothing more to it. There's no engagement uh, right. where you have to think much. So yeah, but they it's... tied it. They tied Instagram to to shopping, which was brilliant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of evil, but it's brilliant too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean there no there is a brilliance to what they did. I'm not saying it's a good thing, but but they thought, hey, people are looking at stuff. What if they're looking at stuff they want to buy? And then yeah. you kind of go, Hey, that's your favorite star wearing a cool dress. Wouldn't you like that dress? Yeah. It's like something out of a dystopian Hollywood movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, like, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. You know, but it's <laughs> but to some degree, I, I yeah, I don't like that obviously, but I'm no, just saying it's a it's, it's just, the problem of having to market something in an economy where if you don't make money, you don't eat. Yeah, and and an internet yeah. that is driven in its history and and to to the present by advertising, which is also a question for what kind of a future you get if the number one source of information, or at least the backbone for getting information, is primarily funded by ads. You know, and 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 that's an interesting thing because you have a lot a world of experience with that because of course America Blog was besides member supported, there was also this element of ads. Yeah, and now you're in the podcasting space, and though you have support through members, I'm very curious about you're now also doing. Well, we haven't we haven't received any money yet, so I don't know <laughs> on the ad front. We don't know yet. Okay, um, I'm mean, kind of going slow. I mean, the the payments are going slow. <laughs> well, t- talk about if you can oh, the thinking. But, so you start that we should go to you start the podcast oh. two years almost two years into the Trump presidency, well, thinking yeah. I want I want to do the things this way. Uh, well, no, I had been thinking for a while about podcasting because I like broadcasting anyway. I had done a podcast on America blog back like before Obama was elected. We had a podcast, but you know, it was hard to do. I mean, as you know, like even now there's still a lot of work to it. I was my own producer, which you can appreciate too. And if you're not making money at it and you're trying to make money at something else, you know, you do it, but you don't want it to be too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were podcasting for a while. You know, it didn't blow up, but it was kind of fun to do. And we would do video or audio podcasts. Then I let it go. And, you know, I've, I've done a lot of like TV interviews and things over the years that I enjoy being interviewed. But I, I still like being out there with my face and my voice. Tried a few videos. Well, yeah, it was it was starting off with audio or at least starting again with audio. But this time with unprecedented, this time with Cliff right from the beginning, right? Yep. With the podcast. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's been going fine, but we just, you know, we both were just feeling the same reason I started the blog during the Bush years. We were both feeling so angsty about the government and everything else. We wanted to talk about it and, you know, it's going well. We've got, it's funny. People I know that are smaller bloggers think we're really big and people that are big bloggers think we're small, not blog. I keep saying bloggers, podcasters, because you know, we're getting, we're averaging 2,500 to 3,000 listens an episode, you know, which is right, which is good. But if you're trying to make money and hit it big, it's small. It's right, right. For the, I mean, again, right? a sort of algorithm it, required to make money. It's, there's, there's a steep entry point there. Yeah, yeah. Steep entry point. But, yeah. but it's actually considered good viewership, I find, when That's, I talk to people like, I would oh agree. my God, how do you, how do you get that? My, my friends say, and I'm like, yeah, no, I'm glad, but it's still, you know, I'm used to the blog having, you know, 60,000 people a day or God, I had 
at its peak, I don't even know, but I know several years ago I had one, one month I had almost a million uniques on my, on my blog. That was amazing. And to know you're hitting a million people, you're like, Jesus Christ, you know, but, but it doesn't anymore. Um, so, which is also weird with online. It's just, it's changing every year, which can be exciting, but as a business, it's very hard because all of a sudden blogging works and then it doesn't podcasting doesn't work yet. You know, videos work, but good luck getting enough listeners Mm -hmm. advertising, advertising was working and now advertising doesn't really work much anymore. The prices dropped after the 2009 crisis and never really came back. So you've got these business models that keep changing and you're just kind of keep your head above water if you're trying to make money doing this stuff. It's very hard, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting also as as a podcast listener, not as a producer for a moment, but hearing um certain ads so often. I mean, I listen to way too many podcasts, but still. Uh and it's it's like, "Oh, is this company uh, specifically the company that's being advertised, is this benefiting them? And then, yeah, the podcast itself, are they actually getting anything? Is this working out? But it's interesting that even now you say, like, the ad thing is new for you in, in audio, so you don't yet know how it's going. I don't know yet if it's going to work. And But again, we need more We need more listeners. I, and even that becomes part of a part of the problem we had in blogging, and I'm noticing it with podcasting, is you've got to get recognized by the powers that be, uh. right? With blogging, Google had to accept you as a news site or a, or a blog, some kind of a special category that got you more traffic. If you were news with Google, you got a lot more traffic, right? Um, uh, Reddit, cesspool of hate that it is, um, Reddit directed a lot of traffic until Reddit decided a bunch of liberal sites, including my own, weren't really good. So they just stopped. They stopped. They would kill any link that anybody linked to our content. Oh, years ago, oh, Reddit automatic. did this to me. Huh. Automatic. They just killed any links to my site because because – the the you know sixty five year old high school students at Reddit decided you know you're not real and it was like oh okay thanks um yeah. Facebook huge amount of traffic I used to get from Facebook and Facebook decided two thousand twelve two thousand thirteen I forget they they turned on a bunch of the liberal sites and just decided uh, one of them was Upworthy which used to be rather big on Twitter and elsewhere um, me a bunch of other sites that they just turned it off so. If anybody linked to our content on Facebook, it would kind of disappear in your feed so you wouldn't see it. So you would literally be following me. I would post something about my my blog and you wouldn't see it in your feed, Mark. And people were asking me, they go, are you writing anything anymore? I never get updates about your blog. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, all of a sudden, one night, my traffic disappeared. I lost like two-thirds of my traffic to my, my blog. And I'm you know, crapping myself going like, this is all my, this is my money. What's going on. And I had a tech friend go through it. And he goes, you lost all your Facebook traffic. Like, what are you talking about? And then a big story came out a month later about all these other big sites. They almost killed by doing that. So there's the other problem is you are so beholden to Google, to Facebook, to Reddit. Yeah. And you get this interesting question of, yes, they're companies that people built from scratch. You know, they're private companies. They don't have to that and and they do like Reddit, for example. Reddit does have to fit. Google, even Google News. What is news, right? That's the big problem with Facebook right now. What are legitimate news outlets? So each of these companies do have to struggle with legitimate questions. But the decisions they make, even though we say, well, they're private companies, they can decide what they want. They're so big in the market that I would argue there's a restraint of trade issue when they make decisions. Now it doesn't mean they shouldn't make decisions, but somebody like Reddit, if they can switch a button and destroy your livelihood, That's you should scary. be able to you should be able to sue them for it, and and in a manner that also because in this country I could sue them, but I'd go broke, 
<laughs> you know, even if I won, I don't have enough money just to win, basically, because I couldn't afford the lawsuit. There ought to be a way around that to file a complaint, something. But that's its own problem with trying to build up your online presence is, you know, you're only as good as the last big resource that sh- suddenly shuts <laughs> you down. And, and these are, I mean, it's, especially Facebook, yeah. that's that's the type of monopoly. Like that's really, it is. everything it's is going through one place. Yeah. Yeah. No, they are monopolies. Now, having said that, you know, Facebook also gets a lot of pushback when they do go after the bad guys, right? I mean, they're trying to go after the 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 Russians and all the people lying about, you know, the, the lying right-wing people and the conspiracy nuts and everything, and they go after them, and Trump and the Republicans ha- are basically, we say, playing the referees in English is the expression, meaning, you know, you scream at the referee in a, in a, in a sports game so much that he or she ends up kind of doing you a favor because, oh... Maybe I am being too critical of you. I guess I'll give you a pass. You know, the referee will do. So they were, they've been screaming at the social media companies for so long, claiming that you hate Republicans, you hate the right wing, that they've now got uh, Facebook has picked people like the Daily Caller. And I forget whether it's the Federalist or who. Da- oh, no, Daily Caller and Breitbart oh, wow. are, are fact checkers, are news fact checkers for Facebook now. Wow. Those are now you know what that means. The audience yeah. may not know. These are these are I don't even know what you would compare this to in Europe. Daily I mean Daily Caller and Breitbart? I mean Stormfront? What what would you Ooh. even compare it to? You know, uh, it's not just yeah. cons- they're not conservative. They're No, it's further. Yeah. Yeah. They're, <laughs> you know, what is it? Urban and Hungary conservative. Like it's crazy yeah. ass shit conservative. It's not even It's what we call it's far not, right. I don't know if they would call themselves that. It would be National <laughs> yeah. Front in France. Yeah. Kind of thing. yeah that's now right. they have a nice new name, whatever they call it. Oh, themselves. they do? I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> oh, I saw uh, I saw some new name that she was using, Marine Le Pen, to try to make it sound like, you know, they're nice they're nice bigots now. Yeah. And it's you know? probably a bit like in, I have to look it up, but in Spain also you have these parties. Well now there's hmm. there's I know there's one on the left, but I get confused. There's Podemos and their Ciudadanos. I think Ciudadanos is the right. But anyway, you know, both using very simple names for uh, what can be, well, depending on how you call it, radical politics. Podemos matar los Ciudadanos. (laughs) Yeah, 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 for example, you know. (laughs) It's more more appropriate, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Actually, I always thought that would be kind of fun, would be to have like a multilingual podcast. You'd have a very small audience, but it reminds me when you'd live in Europe, and one of the things I always enjoyed as an American who likes languages, which of course means I'm already in a minority here, <laughs> but I enjoyed in France where like among the Anglo community and even, well, the French have their own use of English languages, but amongst even the Anglo community in French, you just kind of use French words that make more sense sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's fun. And my mom is Greek American and immigrated from Greek. She certainly does it. You know, yeah. and she would do it with her friends. I mean, her friends, she'd be on the phone talking to them and the conversation would be, or her sisters, they'd be like half English, half Greek. And I wouldn't notice it because I understood the Greek, but my American right. friends would be over going, what the hell was that? <laughs> You're like, oh yeah, I guess so. I know but, exactly what but that's I always, like. But wouldn't it be fun? Like I always thought it'd be fun to do a podcast. Like with somebody like you who yes. speaks French and you can understand Spanish and just being like, kind of having all the languages that are mixed with different guests, except that <laughs> then, and like you could interview, like I could... My French is good, but I'll certainly be better in English. And I've had French friends where when I get tired and I'm like, you know what? You just speak French. I'll just speak English. It'll be easier. And it's funny when you go out because people either here or there still look at you funny when you're having a conversation with one person in one language and the other in another. Yeah. <laughs> but I always thought, wouldn't that be a fun interview? Just be like, yeah, hey, you just speak French. I'll speak English. It'll be easier. It should be. But, but I, everybody has to share your sort of background in terms of what languages you know and and feel comfortable in. Yep. Yep. But like I could do it in French, but I'd be much better questioning and answering in English. Yes. You know? Yes. 
Yeah, I don't know if you're, if your uh, Dutch hmm. now is so good that it doesn't matter, but doesn't matter. Are you still better in English? Oh, I'm still better in English. <laughs> I get okay. corrected at home all the time, but oh, having a, someone regularly yeah. correcting me, it does help me get better. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm very comfortable, but yeah, yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you're talking about when I hang out with yeah. friends, be they uh, Canadian, American, whatever. The, yeah. We hang out on a, a weekend and, and a lot of expressions get thrown around yeah. that are actually Dutch. Although we, we all prefer to speak in English, but you know. We, yeah, but it's kind of, you know, but it's, it's the... I can't even think of what we would do in France, but there's certain words that just work better. <laughs> they work. I don't know yeah, what it, well, yeah. it, they just work better. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what it, I there can't also, think of an example now. There are just, Dutch expressions that make us laugh, uh, maybe because we're foreign, but they make us laugh, but they fit a situation. So we'll also do that too. Um, but yeah, yeah, no. Uh, but it's an interesting thing also, like we'll see what happens and it never works out the way I want it to, but the podcasting space, um, the fact that, yeah, like you said, you could be someone who is comfortable in more than one language. You could make a program that's in more than one language, um, but you have to deal with the fact that you want audience. And not only that, you may want numbers, good numbers. Um, and the podcasting space historically has been so cut up by Apple to begin with by language. You know, it was always the fact that in the podcast directory, actually in the Apple store, um, at the bottom, there was always a flag. That flag indicated what store you're in right now. You have an account in the U.S. store. Anybody who's lived between countries probably has an account for the U.S. store and an account for whatever country you live in. And what you see is based on where you are. Now, there are now some ways around it, but I, I find that always disappointing and also a very limited viewpoint, which is what happens when we rely on Silicon Valley, really, because it's a limited viewpoint from there. I mean, they're global, but they're not. Um, or they have a vision of what global should be. I, I, you know, I had many years with a Russian partner. Um, and as a result, I feel a familiarity with Russian language. And I've always wanted to understand it better because of the misunderstandings uh, that occur between the Russian-speaking world and, let's say, the rest of the world. Um, right. And so I wanted Russian podcasts. Actually, I just wanted to know what's going on in the Russian podcast world because I don't get to know, one, because I'm not good enough in the language, but two, because my technology doesn't let me see all the preset algorithms indicate that I don't speak Russian or, you know, not good enough. So I really had to do a lot of digging to subscribe to Russian podcasts, which I listen to oh and God. I understand 15% of what I'm listening yeah. to, but still yeah. I want that choice. Um, and I hate when those things are hidden from me, but right. yeah, but a lot of people like it because it's convenient or it's not even yeah. liking. They just don't know because they don't need to know. <laughs> right. Right. I will say this too. And actually it's ironic because it's part of the larger problem. I feel like there's so many podcasts. I don't know what to listen to. Yeah. yeah that's it's the, it yeah. right. It's the, and, and that I can imagine other people being in the same boat. Like, how do you even decide? I mean, I've, I've got the political ones. I found some on like ancient Rome and ancient Greece that would love to love like the history of ancient Greece or whatever. I'd love to, but there's also a part of me that feels like, Oh my God, it's like, you know, 30, 40, 50 episodes already. It, it, it feels so daunting that you don't even start. Okay. Yeah. No, that's, that's a legitimate, right. and there's so much choice thing. that you don't even start. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's frustrating you know, about the internet in general and podcasting. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, it's goofy in a way too, cause it's great that there's all this choice, but I do think it's I wouldn't hard. be surprised for a lot of people. Like I said, like me, I don't start listening to the political ones cause I just don't even know what to listen to. Yeah. I find it's also sometimes like music in the sense that you may be, maybe someone recommends or you just find a new program. You may turn it on and go, 
this doesn't work. This doesn't work for me. And it's funny because it may be a fine program for various reasons, but it just doesn't, that day, that moment you tried it, it didn't work and you're not going to go back to it. Maybe, right? Or maybe you will. But I, I, so I find people often recommending podcasts to me that I know of, but I didn't right. feel the same way about them, you know? Um, well, but that makes sense. But movies are the same way. And yes. people recommend movies and I'm like, how the hell did you like that movie? <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's yeah. that I understand. Or mute, well, yeah. you know. Yeah. All right, John, I've got, I'm going to pause us or stop us here, but uh, I do yeah. want to make sure people know. So we've mentioned it, but um, the unprecedented podcast, I'll put a link to it. Um, yep. I'm a, I'm a subscriber and uh, I'm, I'm glad you, you guys are out there. Thank you. Um, We're trying, trying to make the world safe from America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good. It's an interesting, I mean, pandemic aside, if that's even possible, it's, it's certainly an interesting time. Um, with the election coming up. And I get asked all the time uh, to explain what's going on in the US, which I'm a terrible person to do that. But of course, of course, there's a certain experience I can speak from. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, people are scared. People are confused. You're scared. I know. Um, so I'm, it's, it's I good to freaked be out. We, like that's its own discussion. We're absolutely, it's increasingly, you know, my mother mentioned Nazi Germany to me the other day who, yeah. whose family and herself left Greece right before the Nazis invaded. And that's why they left Greece. She mentions Nazi Germany to me. And I was like, mind you, mom voted for Trump, but is a typical, we call them swing voters here in the States. Meaning, you know, you, you identify with one political party. We only have two major ones. You identify with one political party, but you're willing to swing back and forth depending, which means you're a little more independent. She voted for Trump, hated him almost a month later. She went, what did I do? And literally called me the day and said, this feels like Nazi Germany. Oh, wow. And I was like, Jesus Christ, uh, mom, mom doesn't say things like that. I mean, by, by the way, maybe something that you've also noticed, and this is, you're basically giving an example, but I, so I get to, I go back to Portugal as often as I can, obviously not right now, but, um, and my parents will be there and, and a lot of our friends back from New Jersey will also be in Portugal nearby, right? So we all see each other, people I knew growing up in the US. And what I found was, and we know this is a phenomenon, all immigrants who have lived in the U.S. for 30, 40 years, but among them, a large percentage were Trump supporters. Like, you know, it's kind of like the the immigrant that hates, hates immigrants or the right. immigrant who says, yeah, but that was in our time. We were good. The new generation right. of immigrants are not good. But a lot of those people, it took many years, but I did notice when we were all gathered last summer, a lot of them had indeed turned, though it, it, right. it took a long time and... and yeah, yeah. It's just something that happened even among immigrants. Fascinating. Yeah. Anyway, Scary. well, you know, knock on wood, but Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, but you know, and 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 listen, I <laughs> when, But listen, when when I left the US in 2000 2001, uh, the the, right. the right after 9/11, one of the things that made me want to leave was the way I saw my Middle Eastern and Turkish friends being treated in New Jersey. I was scared. Right. I felt like people were dangerous right. and they were getting support from powerful yep. people, from even from non-powerful people, the regular folk. Um, yep. And, you know, I didn't compare do remember, it. Do you remember what Donald Trump has said about them? Remember what Donald Trump said about them after 9-11? No, no. What? Trump, Trump has repeatedly claimed over the years oh. that, that Arab Americans in New Jersey yeah, Patterson. Were, dancing, yeah. were dancing in the streets mm -hmm. on September 11th because they were so excited that thousands of people died in America. 
yeah. you know, by yeah. their brethren. They were yeah. dancing in the streets. Total freaking lie. Yeah. I mean, literally, yep. it's, it's been disproven. There was no, there's, there was no report at all. It didn't happen. But Trump actually, and he still sticks to the story. Yeah. You just made me think of it when you mentioned, like, yeah. that's not just how bad it was, but that's how bad we've come full circle that that idiot is now president. Yeah. But I, I bring it up in a weird attempt to comfort anyone. Uh, I could, of course, be dead wrong, but I do feel like we arrive at these moments uh, in history. The one in front of you often seems like the worst. And and we, we keep going. I mean, I'm not saying that nobody's going to get hurt. Obviously, many people have died, but we... We do keep going, and I know what you're saying. I'm not going to take anything away from it that this yeah, could be worry. something huge. Mind. That this could be something. I'd like to be wrong, so huge. don't worry. <laughs> yeah, well, there it is. You know what? It, 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 that's very well said. I fear I'm not. I, it's funny. I, okay. I say to sort of to be a good political activist, which I have been over the years. You have to be an optimistic pessimist. Yeah, I understand. Because you've got to convince people the sky is falling. And you've got to be constantly worried about bad things, but you have to believe in your heart that you can win and make things better. And up until now, I have felt that way in America. I am now extremely worried that that we are losing the country I grew up in, and that scares me. I mean, it is. For the first time, I, I've – and I'm talking to a lot of friends about it, and I've talked to a lot of organizations and sort of people with power in Washington I've talked to who have said they're already trying to make plans for what to do if Trump steals the election – and refuses to we have you know large organizations in town that have to have contingency plans in case trump refuses to leave if he loses that's how bad things are in america you don't make you don't have to make those plans you really don't you know we're having discussions on whether the military has to get involved if he won't leave that is unheard of discussion in any democracy let alone the united states we've never had the military involved ever it's not like spain or something i mean never um that's the point. That's the point we're at, and that's what's got me so scared. Yeah, John. I'll so, let, wait, ending, ending uh, on yeah. a high note. No, but I'll, I'll let that stand because it's a, it's a good point. Um, <laughs> hey, know. since we're, no, but I don't mind. You know that I like disagreeing, though. I mean, I'm meaning yeah. I don't mind you disagreeing with me. That makes sure. it more interesting. No, but I, I also love what you said. Well, I, I like what you said in general, but I love what you said in terms of it'd be good to be wrong. Um, you know, it's be good for everyone in terms of if it all just goes normally, that'll be good too. <laughs> you know, not, not too, that will be. <laughs> but I worry the goat is right. I love this goddamn You're thing. worried the it's goat is the right. Most... <laughs> it just, but it doesn't make me feel, the goat makes me feel happy. And I'm yeah. Greek too. So, you know, we have to have a goat, although we tend to eat them in Greece, but now I feel bad. <laughs> it's a new era. Saw, it's a totally new era. I saw a video era. on, I saw a video on Twitter. These goats are really cute. Yeah. I was starting to feel really I'll bad. I'm like, everything I eat is cute. I'm sure. You, an, well, you're a vegetarian, right? Yeah. So you already knew that. I I'm sure in Athens, yeah. there's a beautiful vegan slash vegetarian oh. movement that doesn't harm a goat. They just, you know, we just need a little more time. <laughs> I'm not there yet, but that'll be for another podcast. So. <laughs> John, it's so good to talk to you and fun Thank that we can too, talk about all manner uh, of things. Exactly. I'm going to take my dog out and enjoy the first day in three months that hasn't been disgusting. <laughs> so excited. We can actually walk around and visit friends outside. Everything Good. we haven't done forever. Yeah, that gives me hope too. <laughs> Enjoy. Enjoy. Yeah, it does. All right, thanks, Mark. John Aravosis is the editor at America Blog and the host of the Unprecedented Podcast. Some final thoughts as we approach the end of the program. Of course, a thank you to my guest, John. I think you notice as you listen that these are two friends, he and I, uh, talking, and we haven't spoken 
in a while, so this was extra fun. I also want to say a big thank you to those of you, I don't have permission to use your names, so I just say those of you who donated via PayPal. Not only did several individuals donate, but they've made it a monthly thing. So I get a monthly contribution to help me do this program, to help me survive as a podcast producer. Yes, I, I have uh, some other work, but uh, this is always one of my big projects, one of the things I spend a lot of time working on, and of course, always wish that I could earn some living from it. Uh, and, and this helps that happen. So thank you very much. Of course, it's also handy just to have you out there listening. That's something. That means something to me. That's how this all started, and that will always remain uh, vital and important. So great to have you along. You can always subscribe in your favorite podcast app, Citizen Reporter, or use my name, Mark Fonseca Renderu. Watch out for that other Mark Fonseca. He's a singer. I'm sure his music is good, but uh, he's not me. And I also want to say News of the World, the podcast where news is spelt with a Z that I produced together with Tim Pritlove. It's back after, uh, I think, a three-year hiatus. Uh, it is back. We are discussing big stories, small stories in the news. It's one of these opinion podcasts on reflecting on current events. So maybe that's something you'd be interested in. It's my voice. It's Tim's voice. And of course, we are old friends and we enjoy doing it. So News of the World and I think for today, that's about it. Thanks so much for listening, for subscribing, and for the donations. Until next time, I'm Mark Fonseca Rendeiro. See ya.